I invite you to remain standing for the reading of the gospel today from John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by your power and by that of the Holy Spirit. May the words we hear, may our thoughts, may our deeds, may our actions be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Today we conclude a worship series we've been on throughout the season of Lent entitled, What Makes a Hero? The Death-Defying Ministry of Jesus Christ. And today we conclude it with looking at life versus death and then resurrection. We look throughout the series at some comparisons and, and how heroes apply to the struggles, such as good versus bad, such as right versus wrong. And then we look at how Jesus applied those through his lens and how Jesus redefines what good versus bad, what right versus wrong looks like and points at what a hero truly is. And throughout this series, we looked at some of the most popular pulp, uh, pop culture icons of all time. Superheroes like Batman and, and, and Spider-Man, and we read about some others, Wonder Woman, and the list goes on. But today, on the final day of this series, we would be remiss if we didn't mention arguably the greatest superhero of all time. Any guesses? Superman. Superman, arguably the greatest of all time. One of my personal favorites. I used to anybody used to watch the cartoon series, The Adventures of Superman. We all know his monarch. Now we could be here all day to to debate the best Superman movie of all time, <clears throat> Christopher Reeve. <clears throat> but that's besides the point. But this larger than life superhero. He went around and, and, and you heard what he could do, what he was, but, but one of the greatest questions of all of his, his supporters and especially of all of his enemies was, is Superman mortal or is Superman immortal? Can he die and what can we do to cause his death? Well, if you followed the comic strip series, you'll remember that back in 1993, DC released a comic entitled The Death of Superman. Anybody have that edition or know what I'm talking about? 
They released the death of Superman. And naturally, it turned heads when people saw that comic in the stores. It garnered national media attention. Could Superman, the man of steel, really be killed? Surely not him, right? Of all the superheroes, not Superman. But if Superman can be defeated, then where does that leave us? Who will lead in the fight for justice? Who will stand up for the little person? Would this be the end? Is it finished? Well, if you follow the comic line, then you know that it wasn't over. Superman didn't really die at the hand of Doomsday. And his story wasn't finished. He wasn't finished saving people. Sound familiar? On that fateful Friday over 2,000 years ago, another hero would make headlines with his death. Now, this wasn't a hero like Superman. He didn't impart justice through brute force or, or laser beam eyes or x-ray vision. This hero did something different. This hero showed us what it was like to inherit the kingdom of God. A place where the poor are welcomed. A place where the mourning are comforted. Where the religious authorities are the ones who are held accountable. And in losing our lives, we actually find it. After showing us the kingdom, he would then breathe upon us the Holy Spirit. He would ascend into heaven and told us that we are now his hands and feet in this world. He was no superman. But he was someone who was greater than Superman can ever be. He was truly the greatest hero of all time. He was and he is and he always will be the risen Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. But his death would still send shockwaves across the lands and we're not going to read his crucifixion story today. We did that on Friday. But of all of the story of the crucifixion, there are three little words that stand out to me. Perhaps it's ones who stand out to you. And we focused on these on Good Friday. And we hear these words in John chapter 19, verse 30, when Jesus was towards the end of his life and about to die on the cross. Jesus says, or the scripture says, when Jesus had received the wine... He said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What in the world does that mean? Have you ever thought about those three words and what it means? To the Romans, that phrase meant an end to a possible insurrection, a threat to their power and their rule. To those who days before shouted, crucify him, crucify him. This was permission to move on to the next Savior. 
to the next person who would come and deliver us from the hands of Roman oppression. To the disciples who followed him for three years, it was a heartbreaking proclamation. Was everything we did for nothing? All that he said, did it actually mean anything? Where do we go from here? Are we finished too? The phrase, it is finished, is an interesting phrase. We get the English version from the Greek word to telestay. To telestay. And the Greek word to telestay means complete or fulfill. But most of you know me by now, and I'm not completely satisfied with the surface of things. Someone say amen if you know that about me already. So I wanted to reverse engineer to telestay a little bit. I wanted to know what was the words Jesus actually said from the cross. And what I found out is we don't know the exact words Jesus articulated, but we can give a pretty educated guess. We can get close. So if we reverse engineer to telestay, we do it in the spoken language of Jesus, which was the ancient Aramaic, and we get this phrase, O Mashalim, or O Mashalam, or Mashalchem. And it is an Aramaic phrase which means completed or to make ready. Completed or to make ready. Now it gets interesting. And a little bit further study, the most interesting part about the phrase to me was the next part that I found. O mashalam or mashalim or mashalchem is the passive, is the passive form of the Hebrew term shalom shalom the word that means peace peace the phrase Jesus uttered from the cross was a peace upon all it wasn't that life was finished on that cross. It wasn't that a movement had come to fruition or had, had moved, moved on. But what was finished on that day, on that cross, was God's plan of salvation. What was fulfilled was God's intention for humankind. And now, because of this plan of salvation, we all have the opportunity to find peace. <laughs> Through the grace of God because of the death of Jesus. The best part of it is finished is the reason we are here today. We know the rest of the story. We know that this isn't the end. The plan of salvation has been fulfilled. Yes, it is finished, but it's not over. Someone say amen. amen. The kingdom of God, when Jesus uttered, it is finished, the kingdom of God was just beginning. 
Jesus doesn't stay dead. Death does not have the final word over Christ. And death does not even have the final word over all of us. It is finished wasn't the end of anything, but the beginning of everything. Easter means that death is no longer the end of our story. How much of our lives are based on the assumption that death is the end? That after death in this world there is nothing. That after death there is no nothing. That, that boof, nothing. <laughs> what other word can you use? When death is the end, then we hang on to wealth. We hang on to status. We hang on to all the things that we can from this world. When the ancients were buried, especially kings and the tombs of Egypt and the pyramids proved this, people would be buried with their treasures and their wealth because of the insatiable need of humans to hold on to things when you don't know what comes from the end. But death is not the end of our story. Which means there is forgiveness. Which means there is redemption. Death is not the end of the story. Which means that our value is not based on anything somebody can pay us. It's not based on anything we say. It's not based on anything we do. In Jesus, we are worth more than anything this life can give us including death itself. And the reason for that? Because we have resurrection. There is life, there is death, and we are here today to testify to the fact that that is not it. We have resurrection. Resurrection fills us with a fearlessness for the work that lies ahead, that we know is ahead. Resurrection fills us with the understanding that there is good and there is evil in this world, but then there is a God who outshines the darkest places of this world with an infinite goodness that never goes away. Resurrection helps us understand that it's not about being right and it's not about resisting what is wrong, but that we are called to stand apart as a holy people, a people who belong to God. A holiness that defies categories, statuses, or divisions that this world creates that God never intended there to be. Resurrection isn't something that's for us or for them, but for all people, so that together we are the body of Christ, so that together we may be Christ's hands and feet in this world. Resurrection reveals that the kingdom of God is a place where those who have, where those who have not understand the value of each other and how value is rooted not in power and status and wealth and differences and in the national news media and in social media and in all the things they tell us that there is value and power in. The value is in Jesus Christ. 
and in the kingdom of God, rooted in resurrection. Resurrection reveals that the teachings of the Old Testament and of the New Testament can be trusted. They can be experienced in new and living, fulfilling ways. Being made new is not something we put on a timeline. It's not something we check a box off and say we did it. But our connection with Christ makes us new every single day. Resurrection shows us that our life is not about waiting around for Superman to right our wrongs, but to get busy building God's kingdom here and now ourselves. Resurrection teaches us that there is nothing to fear. Resurrection is what makes a hero. The question we've been asking this whole time is, what makes a hero? The answer definitively is resurrection. It's what makes a hero. We are all, uh, we are what heroes are made of because we are resurrection people. We are the stuff that heroes are made of. I want you to see one last thing about today's scripture. Look at verse 2 of John chapter 20. John 20 chapter 2. I want you to see this. This is only in the John version. Okay, if you read the resurrection story, you only see it done in this. You only see this from the John version. But it's so interesting, I wanted to share it with you today. Verse 2 of John chapter 20 says, So she, being Mary Magdalene, ran away from the tomb to which John says she was at the tomb by herself. Okay, Matthew and Mark and Luke have Mary with some others there. But John says, uh, does not include the others. It all, John only tells us Mary Magdalene. So in this version for today, we're presuming Mary was by herself because of the way John wrote it. So she, Mary, ran away from the tomb and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the whom Jesus loved, and said to them, that's James, and said to them, uh, excuse me, John, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. We do not know where they have laid him. Why would she use the article we? when, according to John, she was the only one at the tomb that saw him removed that day. Folks, we are all the we in this story. If you remember, one, if you were here or, or watched online, one of the topics in this series I said, we have to be careful with how we use the article we to talk about including folks. If we use the term we in the church, it must be done well. 
Because I could say we are a blue-loving church, but if you love the color red or the color green, then you are not included in the we of the we are a blue-loving church. We must be careful how we use the word we. Sisters and brothers, this is perhaps the best use of the word we that I have ever seen. We do not know where they have laid him because we are all the we. Through grace, we are all part of God's story. This doesn't mean that we won't experience death. This doesn't mean that, 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 de- that we will not experience hardship. This doesn't mean that, that we will have moments where we can say, Oh God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or where are you? That doesn't mean that that won't happen. But what it does mean is that death is not the end of us or our story. And it will never have this final say. Instead of dying for what we believe, resurrection invites us to live for what we believe. There is life. There is death. And praise be to God, there is resurrection. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Everybody on the third one. Christ is risen. All right, now that you know what I'm trying to get you to do, let's do it one more time. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. We have resurrection. What will you do with resurrection when you walk out of those doors today? Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.